You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's time for the midweek mailbag episode of week one. Before we get there and before we get into the first Bengals official depth chart of the season, I'm giving your weekly reminder to make sure you're following James and myself on Twitter. You can find James at James Rapine. You can find me at Jake underscore NFL. And you can find the podcast at Lockdown Bengals. And if you want to participate in these Twitter mailbags, make sure you're following at Lockdown Bengals because that's where we're looking to get your questions from. We usually have time to take about eight questions in our mailbag, so try not to be too upset if we don't get you in and keep sending those questions in. We try to take the most interesting ones that we won't address elsewhere in the podcast throughout the week. We're going to talk about some of your questions in the next couple of days. So if you didn't get your question answered today, make sure you stay listening in the next couple of days as we get deeper and deeper into our previews for this week one matchup. We're going to start today's episode, though, James, by talking about the Bengals' first 2020 official depth chart. There are not necessarily surprises here, but there are a few little interesting notes that we'll touch on. And for me personally, there's some things that really validated my 53-man projection. James, as the Bengals prepare for their Week 1 matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers right down in Paul Brown Stadium, well, we finally got a depth chart that gives us a little bit of insight into who they see as the starters at each position. And there's some pretty interesting notes on both sides of the ball. Let's start with the offense. The first thing I want to look at with the offense is, well, who's backing up the starting wide receiver positions because A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and John Ross, as expected, are listed as starters. Auden Tate listed as A.J. Green's first backup. T. Higgins listed as John Ross's first backup. And those things both make sense to me. I'm sure that both of those guys are going to be ready to come in at either position if needed. But the Bengals do ask their outside receivers to have individual responsibilities, and it makes sense to me that there are discrete backups for those two positions because despite them both being, oh, yeah, their outside receivers are interchangeable, they actually do a lot of distinct things in this offense. They do, and I it was not a shock to me at all that Ross was there. And I know there's a lot of fan excitement about T. Higgins, And there should be. But you have to understand that T. Higgins is coming into a situation with established dudes. Ross has waited basically four years to show that he's ready to go and that he can be that guy. And I I think that there's uh, a chip on his shoulder. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the coaching staff went this route because I I think he showed up in great shape. And outside of missing camp for a little bit, he had a good camp. Um, So that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, to, to see these wide receivers the way they are. And I don't just mean the the first guys. Auden Tate behind A.J. Green. Mike Thomas behind him. Um, Alex Erickson, the only slot receiver behind Boyd. I do think it's interesting, though, Jake. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, let's say something happened to Boyd, and I hope it doesn't happen, and I hope he plays 16 games plus the playoffs. But if he were to get dinged up, I wonder how much Mike Thomas would move over there. We've talked about that. I, I, he's really quick. I could see him playing on the inside. He's a solid route runner. I'm not saying Erickson wouldn't get snaps, but it wouldn't shock me at all if, if Mike Thomas moved inside either. 
The other thing that wouldn't shock me if that were to happen is AJ Green getting more slot snaps this year. I think that they will try to get him in the slot anyway. And when you have guys on the bench like Auden Tate and T Higgins, get your best players on the field, right? And that could involve putting AJ Green in the slot where he would be an absolute nightmare to deal with and putting one of these big contested ball players outside in his spot instead of maybe a guy that they see as a worse player in Mike Thomas, who is technically the lowest guy on the wide receiver totem pole in my reading of this depth chart. A couple other notes on the offense. Shaq Calhoun recently acquired off waivers is listed as a backup right guard. Rookie Hakeem Adeniji is listed as a backup left guard. And validating my personal feelings at the running back position, Samaji Ryan listed ahead of Travion Williams at running back, where I didn't think that they were actually going to keep four. I had Ryan as the third guy. It looks like the Bengals see it the same way. It does. And you wonder how much of that is special teams or if it's as a runner too. And in, in, in this offense, P. Ryan would get the, the nod over Williams if they needed one of these guys to, to step up and have a role on offense. I did think it was noteworthy that Akeem Adeniji, you mentioned him at left guard. They've talked a lot about him being a tackle. Well, I see Fred Johnson being the backup tackle on, on both sides there. Adeniji at left guard. And that's it. And, and look, that might be simply because they they don't want to put him and list him at multiple spots like they did with Fred Johnson. Billy Price only listed as a backup center. We know he can play guard as well. But I, I did think that was uh, a little in, you know interesting and noteworthy. Might be a little redundant to list Adeniji as the third tackle on both sides behind Johnson as the second tackle on both sides. Let's get to the defense here briefly. No real surprises here. Marcus Bailey and Jordan Evans at the back of the linebacker depth chart. Second string, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither. First string, Josh Bynes and Jermaine Pratt. We'll have to see who's out there in the nickel, although it looks like that they're listing the defensive depth chart as a nickel defense. I think that they're going to probably, sooner than later, try to get Josh Bynes off the field in those situations. And the last note of interest to me personally, and the reason that I thought Torrey McTire was going to make the team in the first place, he is listed as the backup nickel corner behind Mackenzie Alexander, Darius Phillips, starting outside with William Jackson. And that's going to be the cornerback room as the Bengals wait for Trey Waynes to come back from that peck injury. Just my personal opinion, I'm a little worried about this cornerback room. We'll see. And I like Darius Phillips, and I have since they drafted him in the fifth round a couple of years ago. But if William Jackson isn't a stud, I'm, I'm suddenly – and whether it's fair or not, I'm going to end up uh, looking at this, these corners and being like, ah, I'm going to make a face anytime we talk about the corners. And I think that you're justifiably concerned about the position. Here's what I'll say about the corners. They could be just fine. There's just a lot of unknown here. There's a lot of unproven. There's a lot of unfamiliar. And so I totally get where you're coming from, kind of a prove it. And that's how I feel about a lot of the positions, honestly, on this team right now. And that's scary because the unknown is is scary. And that'll be the fun part about the year to see who answers the questions and plays well and who doesn't. Real quick, the Bengals did round out their practice squad on Tuesday, they signed two players, linebacker Keandre Jones. He signed as a, an undrafted rookie. Uh, he is an undrafted rookie out of Maryland, originally signed with the Bears as a college free agent in April, got cut, ended up in Cincinnati, spent three years at Ohio State before playing at Maryland last season. And Keaton Sutherland, a guy that was on Keaton, by the way, Keaton Sutherland, uh, a guard 
that was on the Bengals practice squad for a couple games last season, played in week three, got waived. The Dolphins picked him up, and he spent the rest of the 2019 season with them. He just got waived on Sunday, or Saturday, rather. So Keaton Sutherland back on the practice squad. And the reason this is noteworthy, Jake, the Bengals have 16 players on their practice squad now, and not one of their names is Jake Dolagala. He's out there. He hasn't signed on a practice squad that I've seen. Not on the Bengals practice squad. So we assumed he would be part of the organization. But it looks like the the undrafted free agent is just going to hang out there for now. Much ado was made on Twitter about losing Jake Dolgala or risking losing Jake Dolgala. And it just is, just doesn't seem like the Bengals are interested. Some other interesting notes on the practice squad. They're heavy at wide receiver. They have seven on the roster, two more on the practice squad and Stanley Morgan and Scotty Washington. So some interesting depth there. We'll see how that shakes out as the season progresses. Last thing on the depth chart, special teams note, the first punt returner listed is Alex Erickson. So maybe this is part of the reason, and I think a small part of the reason at this point, that he made the team because the team seems to be trying to protect Darius Phillips a little bit. He's listed as the second returner on both kickoffs and punt returns. And to me, Erickson is a better kickoff returner than a punt returner, but Darren Simmons clearly trusts him back there returning punts. Coming up next, we get to all of your questions in our midweek mailbag. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays or see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes going inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the NFL's best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, and Devontae Adams. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. It's almost mailbag time here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. But first, a quick note, as the Bengals have announced as we're recording this, there are four practice squad players that they're going to protect from being added to any 53-man roster this week. And those four players are defensive end Amani Bledsoe, safety Trayvon Henderson, wide receiver Stanley Morgan Jr., and tight end Mason Shrek. So those four players cannot be added to an active roster across the league. There is a window after Sunday's game up until Tuesday around noon again uh, when they can – put those players in and and put them in bubble wrap and protect them for the rest of the league. But Jake, you see which practice squad players of the 16, the Bengals are prioritizing and trying to keep from the rest of the league. And these make a ton of sense to me. We'll get our first practice report tomorrow, but Sean Williams might be missing time with a calf injury. We're not sure if he's going to be ready. If he's not, they can call Trayvon Henderson up Stanley Morgan Obviously, they're going to protect him probably every week until or if he gets active just because we know what he means to them as a special teamer. We'll see how that goes the rest of the week. Amani Bledsoe was a guy that I had on the roster. I had him making the 53-man until they went out and traded for Christian Covington. 
And Mason Shrek is currently the fourth tight end. They only have three on the roster, so it makes a lot of sense to me that they would want to keep him around too. They like him a lot. They see him as a fringe roster guy. So all of these protections make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know who else they would use them on. Maybe Brandon Allen, but that would be the only other guy I could think of off the top of my head. I agree. And Jake, it's week one, and I'm really excited for Sunday's game. I'm also really excited for this week's mailbag. It's mailbag mm-hmm. time here on Locked on Bengals. And like Jake said at the top, follow at Locked on Bengals on Twitter to get your questions answered and get your questions in weekly. Let's start with Lonnie Weissar. And Lonnie, I know you're a loyal listener and you have been for a long time. I'm sorry if I messed up your last name, but let's get to Lonnie's question. He says the uniforms for each game were announced on Tuesday. What are your thoughts on only seeing the orange jerseys once and black jerseys only five times? I am very excited to see the color rush jerseys twice. I, I love those because they don't have, uh, they're just simple. And, and my thing with the Bengals uniforms is right now there's too much going on. In their white jerseys, they got the, the orange shoulder pads. On their black jerseys, they have the white stripe on the sides. On the orange jerseys, again, they have the white stripe on the sides. And I would like the black and the orange jerseys so much more if they would just get rid of that side panel. And and what I love about the color rush is that they're all white. There's no side panel to worry about. And so what are my thoughts? I, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts, except I don't have to see the side panels as many times this year, maybe as other years. I agree. I haven't really thought about what uniforms they're going to wear in 2020 because I know they're going to be the the ones that they wore in 2019. And I like the color rush and it's cool that they're wearing them twice. But I'm seeing some of these renderings that different designers on the Internet are making yeah. of a potential Bengals replacement uniforms. And man, some of them are fire. So can we talk about that? How do we push for that for 2021? Because I'm fine with these jerseys for a year. But I would love the Bengals to be new, improved, and revamped. And by the way, that does not mean complicated. I think simplified is a good word. Uh, I want them to be new, clean, and simple. And, and, and I think you could certainly do it with these colors. But, yeah, I didn't have a ton of reaction, but I know fans really care about the uniforms. And I am glad they get to see the color rush twice this season. Yeah, speaking of new jerseys, the Bengals used to make alterations to their jerseys much more frequently. I think this is the longest period in their history where they haven't even made minor changes to their jerseys. Somebody tweeted me, uh, might have been Matt Minnick, might have been somebody else, the history of, of the Bengals jerseys, by far the longest period without any changes at all. Would love to see some solid color changes. Don't do the gradient crap that we're getting from some other teams in the NFL. Don't do anything too fancy with the numbers. Simple. I mean, that, that's the way of the world right now. Minimalism. Let's let's embrace that. And, and I'm not sure speaking for everybody, but that's an opinion. Next question comes from Whitney, at Bengals Whitney on Twitter. She asks, with so much focus this offseason on the offense due to Joe Burrow's effect, can we spend some more time forecasting the defense? How big of a leap do you project the Bengals make on that side of the ball? I'm expecting them to be much better, but much better doesn't mean that they're going to be great <laughs> because they were awful last year and they were awful in a lot of different phases. Here's, I'll kind of do it by, by levels of the defense. 
I need this defensive line, and my expectation for this defensive line is for them to be a top 10 unit, to be really damn good. The Bengals have invested a ton of money in it. You think about Dunlap and Atkins, and then they go out and they make DJ Reader the highest-paid nose tackle. They lose Josh Tupo. They go out and they get Mike Daniels. Then they trade for Christian Covington. They want this line, specifically the interior of the line, to be much better than it was a year ago, which should help the rest of the levels of the defense. Uh, I look at guys like Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard as well. They have a lot of talent. So my expectation for them is to be elite. And DJ Reader is to be elite specifically because I think he, at the end of the year, could end up being the Bengals' best defensive lineman when we look back on the 2020 season. Uh, the linebackers, I'm sort of where uh, I am. My expectations for them are, are kind of where I, they are for a guy like Jonah Williams, where you like them, you think they're going to be good, but they're going to take their lumps at times. And that includes Jermaine Pratt. I know he's entering year two, but I think he's he's going to – to be good at times and he's going to have his issues and you just hope that he takes a, a, a couple steps forward from a year ago. But by mid season, and I've talked about this with you, Jake, I want to see Logan Wilson out there, hopefully supplanting and taking over for Josh Bynes. Like, I think that'd be a good sign um, and, and really get it maybe becoming a starter by the middle of the year. And that's not my expectation, but I'd like to see it because that's, that shows that he is growing, that he is improving, that he is understanding what's going on. And then for the secondary, I voiced my concerns earlier on the pod about the corners, but I expect the safety room to be really damn good. Assuming Bell and Bates are healthy, I think they complement each other well. And speaking of the linebackers and concern there, I think Von Bell makes life easier on these guys, these young linebackers, because he's going to come up, he's going to make some hits, he's going to be physical, he's not going to be afraid to tackle, and that should also allow Jesse Bates to roam there uh, in the back end. And, and hopefully create some turnover. So I expect them to be better. I think there's a chance they could be in that 15, 15th in the NFL range, probably more likely for them to be between 15 and 20 than 10 to 15. But they, they should certainly be better against the run and be better overall. But it's it starts with that defensive line. If they can be elite, it's going to really set the tone for the rest of the defense. Another thing that I think is pretty noteworthy with the defense is how well have they taken to the coaching? Last year, Lou Anarumo came in. He didn't get a bunch of, quote-unquote, his guys. He was working with mostly holdovers, and it didn't really take. There were communication issues that got a lot better in the second half of the year, but there were just plays in games where you could tell that half of the defense didn't seem to know what the play call was, or maybe it was a little too fancy. And things did get better in the second half of the year. We'll see if now that he's been able to pick his guys – things improve in that aspect because the players seem to be good pieces. And so it'll come down to coaching and communication from there. Next question from Don Step at DonStep57 on Twitter. He asked, if you could guesstimate the number of times Joe Burrow will be sacked on Sunday. I think that if I had to put an over-under on this, I would start it, I think, at three and a half. And I think that that's like, two and a half for Joey Bosa and, and one for the rest of the, the wow, rest of the charges. Really? Joey Bosa is very, 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 very good at pass rushing. I know. And he gets to go up against Bobby Hart, like for probably 20 snaps in pass rushing. I see. I, I think Joe Burrow isn't going to give up four sacks. I just, so I would take the under if it was three and a half. And, and I do apologize to Don. He might be talking about the whole year. I'm going to just take it for Sunday. And 
I'll take the under if it's three and a half. I would say it's probably three. My gut tells me two. I think Joe's going to throw it away a bunch. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But if he's under pressure, I think he'll throw it away or force it. I have a couple picks. But I don't think he's going to get sacked a ton. The Bengals need a game plan for this, right? They, they need to get the ball out quick. They need to use the running game. They need to keep that pass rush off balance because it really is almost entirely Joey Bosa to be worried about. Melvin Ingram's still a fine player. But Joey Bosa is a top five pass rusher in the NFL. And, and when you get that going against uh, a Bobby, Bobby Hart, you, you, you get TJ Watt levels of game ruining pass rush on that side of the ball. We'll see what the Chargers do in terms of matching him up because he did play 50-50 on both sides of the ball last year. Coming up next, we get back into the mailbag. A bunch more questions to get to as always. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the official protein bar of James Rapine and the Locked On Bengals podcast. They've got a bunch of flavors, six new ones, 12 originals. You hear me say it all the time. I really love that peanut butter brownie. Also like the mint brownie. And the best thing about them, James, is the taste. They're so tasty. They're perfect. <laughs> They're perfect. I'm not, not trying to hype them up too much, but damn it, Built Bars are perfect because what do you want out of your protein bar? You want to get a ton of protein and you don't want to eat a bunch of crap, which means sugar, uh, any type of macros that you're trying to avoid. You don't want a bunch of carbs. Well, they do that. They're great for the keto diet if you're on that low sugar, high protein, high fiber low calorie. So they're going to fit your macros. Jake's right. They taste amazing. 18 different flavors. You mentioned my favorite. The mint brownie is my go-to, but they have something for everyone. If you don't like mint, go with the coconut almond or go with the cherry barcia, cookies and cream. So check it out right now. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You're going to get $10 off your next order. Again, promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. The mailbag rolls on here on Locked On Bengals. And Jake, Sean Sweeney asks, what position group will likely outperform your expectations this season? And if you're asking about my individual expectations, I think the most likely position group to outperform my expectations, I think there's a few candidates, actually. One is linebacker, because I'm not sure that I have very high expectations at all. One is offensive line, because I have very low expectations. So if they come out, and their average, they will have exceeded my expectations. But I think the position group that will exceed expectations generally for the Bengals and, and maybe also my expectations is a tight end group. And I think they could outplay their talent a little bit because Joe Burrow used the tight ends heavily in training camp, loved throwing to tight ends generally, and I think he's going to really enjoy throwing to tight ends as a rookie. So if I had to pick one position group, it's tight ends. I like that. I like that a lot because I, I agree with you. I think they could have sneaky good seasons and CJ Uzama and Drew Sample. I really do in this offense. They're going to get a lot of single coverage. Offensive line for me is one that if it wasn't Bobby Hart, <laughs> you know, it, you know, if it was if some rookie that was a second or third round player, if they had traded for a veteran, you know, that, that might not have a big name, but just anybody then I would say maybe they can outperform, but I just, I know what he is. And so I can't go with that. I, as you look at these positions, you have high expectations for Burrow, high expectations for the receivers, high expectations for Mixon. I am going to go with the linebackers. And for a couple of reasons, one, the defensive line should make life much, much easier on these guys. 
You're talking about experienced players in Akeem Davis, Gaither, and Logan Wilson. Guys that, yeah, it may take them a couple of weeks, but they should be able to hit the ground running hopefully sooner rather than later, especially in Wilson's case since he is, yeah, he's 24 years old. Uh, I like Jermaine Pratt. I think they can play well. And then, again, the Bengals, everything they did this offseason was to either make life easier on the linebackers or improve that position. So expectations are low, but I think they're in a pretty good spot to exceed those. So I'll go with the linebackers since you went with the tight ends. But uh, there aren't a ton to go with because you either have high expectations for the groups or you know, like the offensive line, that they're just probably not going to exceed them realistically. Yeah, since you, since you have to include Bobby Hart, because, I, I mean, there's certainly hope that Mike Johnson exceeds my expectations for this year. Jonah Williams could exceed expectations. You know, he, he might. Xavier Sofilo might. But you, you do make a good point about Bobby Hart being pretty well known. The other group that I think you can mention, by the way, in that conversation that we haven't talked about is corner, where, hey, if Darius Phillips is good that and, and William Jackson bounces back, that could be a really good group. And that's another one that I'm going to have to see to believe. Next question comes from Aaron Parker at Mem Bengal on Twitter. James, from being at practice, do you have a sense of whether the Bengals have incorporated the five pass catchers looks the way that they use them at LSU so much? We know that Joe Burrow is comfortable with that, but are the coaches comfortable with that enough to let Joe Burrow read the defense with five guys in the pattern? That's certainly something they did, and they did incorporate it during training camp and i think it's something they're going to try to do here's the key to it all the key to doing that isn't joe burrow the key to doing that isn't the pass catchers because they certainly have plenty of them and not just at receiver we talked about tight end obviously at at running back you got some guys who can run routes the key to it is the offensive line and and holding up and and can they do that and and then I, i guess the other thing would be wide receiver health because if you don't have guys that can separate Right. If Green and Ross aren't out there, it's a lot harder for me to see this being a thing. Um, if they are out there, it could certainly help it, their their cause there and just getting separation and stretching the field and open things up over the middle and and things like that, which is what Joe was so great at. Just diagnosing the one on one and finding, you know, Justin Jefferson over the middle or Jamar Chase down the field or Edwards Hilaire or Thaddeus Moss. And the Bengals have the weapons to do that. But my big question is and my concern would be that offensive line to that point, the coaching staff has pretty much said that they're confident in this offensive line. So we'll see. Yeah. They, they keep saying that. And maybe it's one of those things where they believe if they just say it a bunch, it'll become true. The, the thing in the Bengals favor, if they do decide to do the five in the pattern thing. And we looked at this before the draft is that in, in college football at LSU and in the NFL, when you keep only five guys in protection, and you send five guys into the, into the passing game, you actually see less pressures on quarterbacks than when you keep extra guys into protect. And there are reasons for this. For one, it forces the defense to declare. The quarterback is going to have a very good idea of who's coming, who's not, because if you have five guys split out and they all release, then it's much harder to disguise or fake blitzes. It's harder to send uh, simulated pressure as well. And, and it forces the defense to declare man or zone before the snap. So it helps the quarterback get through his progressions more quickly. It helps with those pre-snap adjustments. And, and, and yes, it, it could lead to some losses from some of these offensive linemen. But I think you generally see fewer rushers come too, or when they do come with an overload pressure, 
you know exactly where it's coming from and you can get those hot reads in there. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see it and it wouldn't surprise me to see it go pretty well from a pressure perspective regardless of the offensive line. Next question, 34 and 23, says the Bengals made an unexpected playoff appearance in Dalton's rookie season. What are the differences in the team division league in 2011 versus 2020 that might make it more difficult or more likely for this team to repeat that accomplishment under Burrow? Well, the thing that I think is the biggest difference is the AFC North, I think, is better. They're, they're better quarterbacks in the AFC North. The entire AFC is probably better from top to bottom. We've talked, I think, on this podcast before about the concentration of good young quarterbacks in the AFC, and I think that that continues to be or will continue to be a thorn in the Bengals' side. The thing that's big time in their favor is there's an extra playoff team, and and it's hard to overstate how impactful that is for teams on the fringe. That That's going to be a big deal. It's tough because this division is is much different. I, I think it's loaded. The Browns are relevant. And that 2011 team got some breaks down the line. I don't think they were that talented. And they were only two years removed from the playoffs. They made the playoffs in 09. And I know a lot of that roster turned over, especially big-name players. But some of the defense was there. The same defensive coordinator was there. It was still Mike Zimmer's system. The same running back. So there were some pieces that were left around that had that pedigree. And you could say the same thing about this team, right? There's some pieces left around from that 15 team that have that pedigree. I just think it's going to be really tough given the division and, and given the schedule. It's a tough schedule. So we'll see. I expect the Bengals to be much, much better than they were last season. But I, I'm not expecting the playoffs, but I'm not going to roll it out either. There is always a world where anything can happen on any number of given Sundays in the NFL, and that's why we watch the games. Otherwise, we would just simulate them in Madden, and, and the NFL wouldn't exist. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with the first crossover of the 2020 season with Lockdown Chargers as we continue to gear up for real, live, regular season football. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one.